Welcome to Understanding Buddhism in America. This week's episode is going to be a little bit different than my last two. I'm going to do this one a little more informally, and it's going to be one of those frequently asked questions episodes. There's a lot of people out there who don't really know anything about Buddhism, and I'm hoping my podcast can be a source of some information about it for people who are searching and maybe a little caught up and lost. So I'm taking these questions both from first-hand experience and searching for answers in Buddhism, and also I've received a number of emails since I started my podcast, and how exactly you guys found this email address on your own is a little bit beyond me, because in my last two podcasts, I don't think I've left my email address, so... Somebody's been doing some digging, though, which is great. I love hearing feedback. I love hearing comments. I love getting questions. If you'd like to email me, my email is understandingbuddhisminamerica at gmail.com. Okay, very simple. No underscores, no spaces, no dashes, no periods, no nothing. Just understandingbuddhisminamerica at gmail.com. So the first question I want to answer is, what is Buddhism? What do Buddhists believe? And I've got in front of me the Encyclopedia of Religion and Ethics. This thing, the whole set of encyclopedias is absolutely enormous. It's huge. I managed to get it uh, when my father passed away a few years ago. He had this huge collection. And I'm pretty sure he got it from his father, my grandfather. So anyway, I wanted to look up Buddhism because I looked this up earlier and I thought the answer, the definition in this encyclopedia was kind of entertaining. So I wanted to share it with you guys. And what's entertaining about this is that this encyclopedia is absolutely huge. There's about 15 books. All of them have about a thousand pages in them, incredibly small font. And there's just tons of information stored in them. But when you get to the when you get to Buddhism, which I find this really hilarious and humbling, Buddhism has just like one tiny little paragraph. The entire life of Buddha is in here too, and that takes up a few pages. But the whole religion of Buddhism itself takes up just a measly little paragraph. And uh, the reason why is actually stated in here. It says, The character of Buddhism varies according to the country in which it prevails, so that a general sketch would be of very little value. That's the first line in the entry in the Encyclopedia of Religion and Ethics for Buddhism. That, and there's only like three more lines, and they don't go into much more detail than that. So uh, I found that pretty entertaining and pretty humbling. And what it's really saying is that depending on where you are in the world, Buddhism could be completely different. It's been around for such a long time and exists in so many countries that it's changed over the years. It's, it's drastic. It's, it's different everywhere. I could tell you that uh, Buddhists believe in the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path, but there are some Buddhists in the world that simply don't. There's, no, there's very little in the way of a universal belief in Buddhism because Buddhism doesn't really uh, survive on beliefs. It survives on understanding. It survives on man's everlasting search for truth in the world. So basically, whatever questions you may come up with, the answer is going to vary depending on who you're talking about and where they are and what the customs are. So I'm going to do, I'm going to try and do my best to get through this in a very general sense. To answer the question of what is Buddhism, 
Some people would call it a religion. Some people would call it a philosophy. Some people would call it a scientific method. Some people would call it a teaching. All of these are right. None of these are really wrong. And they all kind of work well together. And I don't know anyone who would argue with any of these. Because they're all kind of right. A lot of Buddhists don't call Buddhism a religion. It's kind of classified as one because that's the most convenient way of putting it. But I like to think of Buddhism as all of the stuff that all of the other religions have in common. It's all of that really just the meat and potatoes of almost every religion. And it works in such a way that you can follow Buddhism and you can apply it to any other religion you want and you won't be breaking any of the rules in any of the other religions. Not by a long shot. You'll probably be doing the same things, really, just in a slightly different way. All right, so let's move on. What else we got? How long have I been a Buddhist? This one was emailed to me. I've been a Buddhist for over two years. I've read dozens of books on it. I absolutely love reading Buddhist books because they, every time I do, I feel, I don't know, I feel more peaceful afterwards. I feel like I understand how people think and how the world works a little bit better because it's really hard to understand how the world works just from one person's perspective. It's almost, it's impossible. So I enjoy reading Buddhist books because they really open my mind. And to this day, they're my favorite. Why did I become a Buddhist? Well, uh, well, my dad died about two years ago of leukemia, and, and it was pretty tough. It was a pretty tough time. And the toughest part about a loved one dying almost isn't the death itself. The death itself is, uh, at least in my dad's case, it was actually kind of a blessing because he had suffered for an entire year before he died. In my case, the toughest parts were everything afterwards. It was cleaning out his office and searching through his belongings at home, going to the grocery store without him. That was pretty tough because we had gone together kind of like a father-son grocery team for a number of years. It was things like that. So when we were cleaning out his office, somebody found a book called The Teaching of Buddha. And I've currently lent the book to my friend, so I'm not sure who the author is off the top of my head, but it's a very small book. It's got a picture, I think, of a sunset on the front. You could find it on you could find it online somewhere. But it was a wonderful book on Buddhism and it was a very basic kind of these are the teachings of Buddha. These are this was his story. It was very just basics. And there's a lot of Buddhist books that fall into this category. There's a lot of Buddhist books that involve the words Buddha and teaching on the cover, so if you ever search for one, you'll probably end up with something that works just as well. But I started reading it, and I really loved it. It spoke to me unlike anything else I ever had. And I had been raised a Christian, and I've read the Bible from cover to cover, and I do believe that the Bible has a lot of uh, wonderful, important lessons within it. But it never really spoke to me. It never really, it never really consoled me in rough times. But when I read this book, and this isn't even like a religious text, really. It's just kind of the basics of Buddhism. Every single line spoke to me. It spoke to me, I think, because it was more focused on what we like to call the real world, what we like to call reality instead of basing it on the afterlife and supernatural occurrences and history it's more based on how the real world works how it runs how to make the best of it how to make it better that we can make it better things like that and i really enjoyed that it was a breath of fresh air to me 
are all Buddhist vegetarians? Uh, this one's asked quite a bit, and the answer is no. No, 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 no. There's lots of lots of Buddhists out there who eat meat. The Dalai Lama, who's perhaps the most famous Buddhist in the world today, he's not a vegetarian. He eats meat. He eats meat for a dietary reason, as I understand it. But many Buddhists don't, and they do or don't for their own personal reasons. Uh, I've chosen to be a vegetarian, what I like to call as much as possible, because I know it's better for my health, I know it's better for my environment, because I've seen the footage of the hundreds of cows being crammed in the small warehouses so they can be served at fast food joints, and I know that that's not really making the world a better place. There's a lot of needless suffering in there. So I kind of wanted to just get away from that whole thing. But that was a very personal choice. It wasn't really so much religious as it was a personal choice. And if you're if you're thinking about Buddhism, there's no pressure to be a vegetarian, certainly not. And if you think about it, it kind of makes sense to not be a vegetarian. Because if you choose to be a vegetarian just to avoid the suffering of animals, which isn't a bad thing at all, you're also kind of glossing over the fact that plants can suffer too. I remember seeing on the news footage of scientists who had hooked up this meter to plants and they had held up uh, a pair of clippers to the plants and then they clipped off a branch of it. And what they discovered is with this meter that measured some kind of signal that the plant's giving off is that the plants actually spiked right before they were getting cut. Uh, showing that plants can feel things. They feel they can feel fear, just like humans and animals. So avoiding eating meat just to save the animals is nice, but it's also a little bit ignorant, I think, because you're also kind of dismissing plants as beings that can't feel. And we've kind of proven they can. So, you know, I tell people just do what you want. Just do what makes you feel comfortable. Vegetarian or carnivore or whatever you want to be. Uh, just do what you feel the most comfortable doing. Okay, next one is, is it a requirement to be bald or short-haired? The answer, no. It is not a requirement to be bald or short-haired. I will say that I've never met a Buddhist who had a mullet, but then again, there aren't uh, a plethora of Buddhists around where I live. So I think it's, again, it's, it's another issue that's to each their own. But also, um, if you want to know, monks, people who have dedicated their entire lives to following the Dharma, Buddhist teaching, a lot of times they have shaven their heads as a symbolism of uh, rebirth within the Buddhist community. And in order to be a monk, uh, you do have to avoid eating meat unless it's offered to you. Monks do depend heavily on donations. So if you have a Buddhist temple near you, try and look up their website or call in and find out what days and what times they take donations because I guarantee they would appreciate your help. And they live their entire lives on donated food and things like that. So uh, it's a very important thing. And it's a very honorable thing. In Asian communities, it's very honorable to offer monks donations. It's, it's a very common practice. Okay, the next question is, do Buddhists pray? Uh, again, the answer will not apply to everyone. So I will just say some Buddhists do, some Buddhists don't. A lot of Buddhists do believe in a god or a higher power. 
And a lot of Buddhists don't. There's actually a pretty famous story in Buddhism of someone coming up to the Buddha and essentially asking him, is there a God? And famously, Buddha did what he always did when he was asked a question that he didn't think the answer would really help out the world. And he just remained silent. So there could be a God. There couldn't be a God. We could pray to them. We could not pray to them. But according to Buddha, Either way isn't really going to help out the people here on earth to relieve them of their suffering as much as we can just by going out and trying to help them. Uh, so some Buddhists do pray, some Buddhists don't. There are things called prayer flags. If you ever Googled in, I'm sure you'll get a lot of pretty pictures. And prayer flags are kind of unique. They're very thin cloth flags that hang from a rope or wire. And they have very universal prayers on them. And the point of them is that they're so thin that they unravel in high winds. So when they've unraveled, these strands of colorful string kind of fly everywhere. And it's supposed to symbolize the prayer being spread all over the world. Next question. Do all Buddhists own robes? The answer to that one is no. Uh, I'm a Buddhist and I don't own a robe, so no. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but, um, monks have no possessions whatsoever. And because they have no possessions, even their clothes, they're not even allowed to wear their old clothes. So they're given robes. And the robes still belong to the monastery, as I understand it. And they give the robes back if they ever disrobe. Which I guess, from what I understand, it is not as serious as a priest deciding not to be a priest or something like that. I've heard stories of people who decided to be a monk just for a day, just to see what that was like. And that's okay within the Buddhist community. That's fine. That's allowed. And it happens all the time. What exactly is karma? That's my next question. What is karma? And there's a TV show called My Name is Earl that mentions karma about 20 times in every single episode, but almost never gets it quite right. It never gets it, um, it never talks about it the way that Buddhists think about it. And what karma essentially means is cause and effect. So if I punch some stranger in the face, and a week later some other stranger punches me in the face, that's not exactly karma. That's just weird and bad luck kind of combined together. Karma is just cause and effect. Karma would be me punching a stranger in the face and then my fist hurting and his face hurting and now both of us kind of hate each other. That's karma. I mean, it's, it's a lot less exciting than some mystical revenge and award system, but it's also a lot more realistic. That's what karma is. It's just cause and effect. Do all Buddhists believe in reincarnation? That's my next question. And that's an important question. Uh, the answer is no. Obviously, not all Buddhists believe in any one thing, but a surprising number of Buddhists don't believe in reincarnation the way we think about it. Uh, there's a lot of Western stigmas attached to Eastern concepts like reincarnation because we hear the word rebirth and we think to be born again, obviously. So it must mean being born again after we've died. And a lot of Buddhists do believe that this is the case. The Dalai Lama, to bring him up again, he's uh, known as the reincarnation of a past Dalai Lama. And he was recognized as the reincarnation by a council who saw that he was born in the same place that the past Dalai Lama said he would be reincarnated. 
and he also recognized a number of objects amid an array of unfamiliar objects to him that belong to the past Dalai Lama. So reincarnation is very strong within the cultural communities of Buddhism in that sense. But a lot of Buddhists that I know, it's not so much that they don't really believe in reincarnation, but it's more like, eh, it's not really that important. Whether we're reborn again or not, that little fact isn't really going to help out the world that much. It might be true, it might be false, but either way, there are more important issues at hand. Most people take the idea of rebirth and think of it as understanding a new viewpoint on life. When you're born, you obviously have no real view of life and you see everything as fresh and new. And that's one of the ideas behind rebirth. It's seeing everything as fresh and new. It's taking everything in and it's being open to everything. And my next question is, where did I come up with the idea for the icon for this podcast? Well, uh, actually, both of the photos of the American flag and the Statue of Buddha come from a site called publicdomainpictures.net. And the American flag one is called Detail of American Flag. And the Buddha statue is called Buddha in the Sky. You can go there and look them up and download them if you want. Okay, let's see what we got next. Do Buddhists worship Buddha? The answer is no. Buddhists don't worship Buddha. There are altars, there are incense, there are candles. There are things actually referred to as offerings sometimes, but they're usually more out of respect than they are worship. We respect the Buddha as somebody who taught something that can really open our eyes and really open our minds to the world. And so no, we don't really worship Buddha. Okay, my next question is the Dalai Lama, but I think I already answered that, so I'm just going to skip it. Next question's interesting. It's, what are the different types of Buddhism? The answer is, there's a lot of them. The answer is, uh, the main ones are Mahayana and Theravada. And some scholars are set with saying those are the only two types and everything exists underneath it. Some scholars include Vajrayana as another one. And then there's Tibetan Buddhism, there's Zen, there's Shambhala. There's a number of different kinds, really, and they all kind of fall under different categories. But what's interesting is that they all kind of have the same core teachings in there somewhere. And in some types, it's a little more obvious than others, but they all do kind of maintain the same values. And some Buddhists believe in order to progress in your Buddhist studies, you have to start with one and then go through the others and like stepping stones almost, because there's something to learn from all of them. So I guess that's about the answer to that one. You know, I'm a big believer in the internet. So if you want to learn more about any of these things, all you have to do is type them into Google or Wikipedia or what have you, and you'll get a pretty good idea. The next question are, what are the main texts? This is a phenomenal question. This is the question that I asked myself a thousand times when I started practicing Buddhism. And the reason why I asked myself so many times is because the answer is phenomenally difficult to find. There's no unified text that all Buddhists follow. There is none. So finding a good starting off book is a little bit more difficult than most religions. Interestingly enough, the main thing that comes to my mind is the Pali Canon. And that's basically an encyclopedic set of texts that contains all of the original Buddhist teachings. 
On a side note, it's kind of interesting that it's in Pali because that was the language of the commoners at the time. And Buddha really wanted his teachings to live on in the hearts of the commoners, as opposed to the royalty who wrote in Sanskrit. But later, of course, everything was translated to Sanskrit, and there's a whole lot of Buddhism in Sanskrit, too. So I could say that the Pali Canon, I could say the Heart Sutra, the Lotus Sutra, uh, the Dhammapada. There's really no right answer to this one. Um, There's no main religious text. It's not like there's just a Bible somewhere. So it's not as easy to find the right text to start off on. Okay, and my last question is, do all Buddhists meditate? And the answer is no. I was actually reading a book called The Sound of Two Hands Clapping, and it's an account of a Westerner going to Tibet and going through the Buddhist schools and what he learned and things like that. And one of the interesting things he talks about is how not many people in Tibet even meditated. And Tibet's one of those places that's strongly associated with Buddhism. But according to the book, in Tibet there's a pretty strong belief that meditation, there's not a whole lot of purpose for meditation. Because meditation is seen as kind of the tool that leads to uh, an enlightenment. But in a lot of Buddhist countries, they don't believe enlightenment can actually happen without another Buddha's help. So while a few people in Tibet go off into the mountains and such and just meditate for the rest of their lives trying to realize enlightenment, apparently most Tibetans and Buddhist schools think that that's not really worth the time and the effort because there are so many more important issues at hand. Buddhism was constructed in the first place to help relieve the suffering of the world. So going off to a cave or a mountain to meditate for years and years to try and be enlightened is viewed as not really that helpful to the world. So they prefer to focus on things that are. And that wraps up about all the questions I have. If you'd like to email me a question, email me at understandingbuddhisminamerica at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like me to give you a shout out, I will. If you'd like to leave a soundbite, I can play it during my podcast. Or if you'd like to leave a, a testimonial or an experience or something else like that, I can also work that into the program. So basically whatever you want. So just contact me. And thank you for tuning in to Understanding Buddhism in America. My next podcast is going to be a little more controversial because it's going to be around enlightenment. So I have that to look forward to making in the next couple of days without stepping on too many toes. I'd like to say thank you to all my recent subscribers. I love you all. You're awesome. Also, thank you to everyone who emailed me these questions. Continue sending more. Please, I love them. And I plan on doing this podcast for a long time. So tell your friends, subscribe if you haven't, and I'll see you next episode.